Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. You ready, Jay? I'm ready. Phil, you ready? I'm ready, too. I'm ready. All right, boys. Should we do this then? Okay, pod on three. One, two, three. Pod! It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. The Holy Trinity are reunited following JB's honeymoon. How was it? Sorry, scouting trip to Italy. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I don't know how you ever expect to eat paleo over in Italy, but yeah, it's it's a good old trip. But they're always looking kind of all right, though, aren't they? So what do they eat? They must Mm, must just not eat much of that. I don't know. They they don't all look great, Tim. No. Um, I tell you what, if I see one more building which is 2,000 years old, I might shoot myself. (laughs) Look, it's 2,000 years old. Guess what? It's all 2,000 years old. (laughs) You good, though? Glad to be back? Yes, delighted to be home. Yeah, and here we are, podding once again. Uh, We are here... Just like the rugby squads up and down the land, we are working axes to the grindstone. We are putting in the hours, putting in the shifts to make sure that by the start of the season, we are a tightly honed podcasting machine. Indeed we are. Indeed we are. Uh, As as you just demonstrated then, Tim. Yeah, we are. (laughs) A well-prepared podcasting machine. Uh, Jay, we missed you last week. We did. I, I missed you guys. Although I must say, landing back in the UK... One of the first things I was greeted to, and it's one of my pet hates, is a policewoman. I mean, obviously, that's unsafe as it is. With <laughs> a full sleeve tattoo. A policewoman with a full sleeve tattoo. A full sleeve tattoo, and she's in short sleeves. Do they not understand? Wow. Anyone can be a, be a police officer, it seems now. Anyone. Well, in previous podcasts, we've voiced our displeasure at the sleeve tattoo on rugby fields. So, yeah, um, exactly. Oh. Go and play for Bath. <laughs> Right, listen, Jay, there was a couple of things from last podcast, and thanks very much for, uh, for everyone that's got in touch um, regarding stuff we talked about on the last podcast. Uh, what we're going to be covering off this week is a couple of bits. Uh, we've got a wrap-up from last week. We're going to be looking at Super Rugby, which is getting to the semi-final stage. We've got our one-man 15 thing, which is at its semi-final stage. We've got Rugby Films, which is a brilliant thing JB has suggested. And then we're going to be having a little look close up on a couple of the clubs in the Aviva Premiership and give our thoughts about how they're shaping up for that all to look forward to but we missed Jay last week and, and Jay you can settle a couple of arguments here Happily. Firstly me and Phil were, were, were talking about the relative merits of London Welsh and Newcastle as we approached the new season mm-hmm. and Phil said Newcastle are down okay. I, I said I think London Welsh despite the, the number and quality of some of their signings I think they'll still go down it was quite funny Gordon Gordon Ross Gordon, Gordon Ross. Gordon yeah. Ross said uh, to the media this week when, when asked about London Welsh, he said, "Well, we, we, we're hoping for a top eleven finish." Better <laughs> <laughs> play Gordon quite, Ross. Quite a good way of putting it. But uh, how do you see that going? So you've got the casting vote on this, then, Jay. I know how I want it to go. I mean, I've been waiting for Newcastle to get relegated since I started watching rugby, and they finally get relegated and they come back up, which is upsetting in itself. 
obviously I Hi want... to all our North East <laughs> rugby fans, by the way. No, I, I don't share that sentiment. Um, <laughs> well, London Welsh is one of the proudest clubs in the history of rugby. was one of the, the biggest names in rugby in the 1970s 19, um, and 1960s. Exactly, yeah. With a rich and proud tradition. Whereas Newcastle scavenged the bones of two clubs which com- combined. It's got a, you know, a, a windy... A patch of mud up in the northeast and doesn't offer anything. So out of the two of them, I want London Welsh to stay up and I want Newcastle to go down. Well, you say they've got a patch of mud in the northeast. They're going for an artificial pitch like Saracens. They need one. Are it's they? a horrible they pitcher. Are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, one, well, one of the stories that's emerged this week is they are. I mean, it's one of the reasons why Darlington's going to host the the Sevens. That's a in nice Newcastle. stadium there. They might think of moving today. You know. Well, no, no. Uh, they're getting an artificial pitch. Much exactly. Have they the same thought about Saracens. building like fences to stop the wind? I mean, that would be my first call. Well, I mean, one of the problems they had was their style of rugby and their lack of ability to score tries, and this is clearly an effort to try and change that. Yeah, so... To try and win people like you round, JB. Do you think no chance. Do you think they'll start playing really expansive, I didn't even like... free-flowing rugby now that they've well, got this artificial pitch? And Alessandro Tuolangi on the wing. You want to get him the ball, don't you? Yeah. Well, yeah. I know you're hoping Newcastle go down, <laughs> uh, but who do you think will? Hmm. I actually think Newcastle a little bit too well-coached to go down. Um... I don't think it's going to be London Welsh either. So where do you? What we're doing is we're putting them in position. Mm-hmm. So currently we've got Northampton second, Quinns fifth, Wasp seventh, Sale eighth, and London Welsh and Newcastle. We're trying to decide who goes eleventh and twelfth. If you told me to just line them up in terms of who has the most talent, you'd probably say Newcastle will be last. However, I think what will probably happen is one team will have a horror, like when. Harlequins went down, like when Northampton went down. I've just got a sense of it. I just think what I just think Newcastle might be a little bit too well coached to go down. I think London Welsh wow. spent too many, too much money. Sorry. Wow. Oh wow, that is a curveball. Was not yeah. expecting something that one. like that. Well, that's as clear as mud. Yeah. Sale. It might be sale. Who knows? Well, listen. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll let you decide. Then at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. The second thing we need to talk about from last week's podcast. Banter Squadron! So we have Nick Cummins, the Honey Badger, in Banter Squadron. We have Donnacro Callahan in Banter Squadron. We have Joe Marler in Banter Squadron. And we need it to be ratified and agreed by JB. Me and, me and Phil are in agreement that Nigel Owens deserves to be in Banter Squadron for services to Banter. Mm. Full services to just being a, a thigh slapping good chap and upholding the values of the game of rugby union. I think even more important that he's in there because he tweeted us. Yes, that is true. Word, oh, let me yeah, let me just recap that word of last week's podcast and his nomination for Banter Squadron got to the man himself, Nigel Owens, who listened, tweeted, said, "I haven't listened before. I like it." Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about the accent. <laughs> That's I good accent, Nigel. Right? <laughs> it's uh, good. It's good, boys. I don't nice really one. know about Nigel Owens um, I mean he's not really he's not driven a golf cart anywhere uh, has he pissed in his own mouth? <laughs> <laughs> he's an international referee there's lines no, you no, can't that, that, no, there's lines on, you cannot cross that's like saying he's a senior accountant god damn it he should be in International referee doesn't no, automatically qualify you for banter diff- squadron. There's a different, no, but the banter does. I think there's mm. a different set of cr- rules you ha- and criteria you have to judge it upon. It's in relation to other referees. Is there anyone else who, in the heat of battle on the rugby pitch and off the rugby pitch and on Twitter and things say, like that, who he is quite who, funny. But the other thing though is, on his Twitter account, he says he's a stand-up comedian. 
Do you know that? I did see that, yeah. Yeah, I've looked across. It's a stand-up comedian. I said, oh, I've looked at some of his, for some of his stand-up. Maybe that's after he heard the podcast last week. He changed yeah, he it. Thought, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, he thought, well, yeah. But come on, let, let's just recap. There was the Benetton Treviso game where the guy took a dive and he gave it all, you know, a nice little funny one-liners about it not being football. Get mm. up. And then, then he did the same thing in, was it Ulster-Leicester? No, was it the you, uh, Heineken Cup match? Leicester-Ulster. Leicester-Ulster, yeah. yeah. And then there's the couple of tweets that he sent uh, just when someone was mocking his sexuality and stuff, rather than rather than have a have a go back like some rugby players have done on Twitter, he was very funny and charming what? with it. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think think of this. And when he sent that, sent that tweet, I thought, yeah, okay, relatively good tweet. What I didn't like, however, are all the people passing themselves on the back, going, "You go, <laughs> well done, Nigel," uh, and like. Ticking off their liberal brownie points because they're so open-minded. I like the tweet. <laughs> I didn't like the little back, the little backslappers, which uh, must be feeling really good about themselves. Well, I didn't like that. Well, but the well, other Alan, tweet, Alan, Alan Partridge, me and Phil uh, read his tweet and thought, <laughs> <laughs> "This is great banter." <laughs> been dying to use that. <laughs> Sorry. However. <laughs> The semi-tweet was very funny, and I actually laughed out aloud at that. Just so, recap that one, that was... Uh, Brazil would have had a more enjoyable semi if they watched Brokeback Mountain. I think that's Come much on. funnier. Yeah, that is much that funnier. That is good. They're, bo- they're both good. Uh, first one's okay. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's uh, okay. So uh, what, what, second one's excellent. What, what would you say if, if me and Phil are in agreement, Nigel Owens deserves to be in bad uh, I'm, not, I'm sorry. But if... What's his name from Rugby League the week before last couldn't get in? Who truly deserves to? I'd have to say that's no, but it looks like I'm being overruled. <laughs> the guy we- who bubbled in his own mouth. Yeah, I can't think of it. That's different. <laughs> it's definitely different. That is different. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to say yes, aren't I? I'm going to have to say yes. Nigel Owens, you were officially recognised as a member of Banter Squadron! <laughs> <laughs> well done, well done, well done. <laughs> this is great banter. <laughs> Let's, uh... <laughs> that's, that's actually Tim's ringtone. <laughs> let's, let's move this on. Okay, right. Well, we, we've um, we've had some people asking about pre-season training <laughs> on on Twitter, and it is that time where lungs will be bursting and the weights will be being shifted in the gym, and you know there'll be loads of stuff happening at military bases trying to test the mental strength <laughs> of rugby players. So, so for you guys, you're going to love this. So I thought, what do you remember or know of pre-season? Because none of us, it's probably the first year that none of us are actually engaged in a rugby pre-season. I, I went to pre-season. Oh, you did? Tuesday, Thursday. Just to catch up with everyone, see how everyone was and then ended up running around the field. Um, our pre-season's been miserable. But in the past, did you go to the ones where they made us run around the pitch? Ten time, ten laps of the pitch, followed by fifty squats every time you complete one lap. Uh, I do remember that. Horrendous. That yeah. doesn't sound. Doesn't sound that good for you. Well, I mean, no, it's, it's, like, it's, it's, not, surprised it's with... not very specific yeah, to rugby, is it? Exactly. Because no, when, when do you ever run three hundred meters? But it's very specific to running around a pitch ten times and doing, <laughs> and doing fifty squats. You'll so... improve at that. You oh yeah. You won't improve at rugby. I, uh, preseason baffles me, especially when you got. Oh, I mean, we've got a very dynamic coaching team. Uh, at Broughton Park, <laughs> which still believe in that kind of thing. It's not that bad. No, it's bad for me. I the, hate the ones, it. the ones that I hate, but I think are really good for rugby. Because, but let's let's think about it. When you actually think about rugby, what you need is to be able to recover quickly and then work at a really high intensity. That's yeah. that's that's the game of rugby, isn't it? So the the ones I always remember hating, and but actually you feel the benefit of it is when, say, you have three minutes to complete a, a work, however many laps or different exercises or whatever it is and then 
the quicker you finish it, the time that's left is your rest. Mm. And of course, so your rest gets less and less each time because you're oh, yeah. fatiguing. And yeah. you just be more and you sprints just, and stuff. You end up puke. There's always someone puking. And yeah. You're hanging out your ass. That stuff is the is the best because it's it's kind of a bit of a trade off. The harder you work, the, the more rest you get. Short uh, short sprints, that kind of thing. We, we did it a few years ago where we were timed doing it, and then everything was like recorded and graphed, and you could see um, who was working harder, so who was <laughs> like whose whose times were good, but also who was dropping off quicker. So you do 10 20 meter return runs, each one of them timed, and then you. You'd actually be graphed compared to everyone else over yeah, yeah. The, over the time, so there's a that's quite a good way of. Uh, Didn't you tell me another part, part of that story uh, about your tight head prop? <laughs> Phil said all these things were up uh, all the all the times for I think it's 400 meter times, um, and it's 400 meters or whatever it is. I can't remember exactly, but how many laps of the uh, circuit? And it like have uh, the top the uh, quickest guys at the top and bottom. And the tight head prop it just said. Completed. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you reckon? Because I've done it where we've gone off to a like a military type base for this team building stuff, and you would go out and whether it's you get a load of bikes and you cycle up a mountain, or mm. you you go for a massive long walk or whatever. Some of that I reckon it's not part of preseason. I think is not about the fitness so much as actually going. Who's actually got the mental toughness to keep going when yeah. they feel. Absolutely awful because that because that I think is important later in the season when you get to or yeah. in the eight mm. in the seventy eighth minute when you're two points down it, it's it, that's those sort of characters yeah when you look around and like everyone's in pain but everyone's getting through it everyone's like pu- pushing had, themselves to get through it for the team me and Tim went to pre season do you remember the high wire place oh yeah so we went to pre season in a high wire place we burned probably five hundred calories and then ingested about 5,000 in beer immediately <laughs> afterwards. And I don't really know what kind of team building it did. The guy who ran, who ran it said the week before he had Stuart Fielding in tears because he <laughs> had to jump off one pole and catch this thing or whatever it was. And then we got relegated. So we'd, we'd, that one worked an absolute treat. Yeah, we had, we had one where we went up to, up to Lake District on a Saturday. Did um, It was something like that, like a go-ape thing. Had a barbecue, a load of beers... And then we got woken up at like seven in the morning. Everyone's, <sighs> everyone's hungover. Got taken back to the goat place, and there was these logs, these like basically trees that had been chopped down and everything stripped off them. And we had to lift them up. Two men carry them up and down this like obstacle course, hilly obstacle course. Seven in the morning with a terrible hangover. It was awful. It was oh. an absolute killer. Well, I think I might have the best preseason for you. It was not quite a preseason, but still. You heard of Camp Hunt Stoldred? Stoldred. Spelled S T A A L D R A A D. Go on. Camp Stoldred. Okay, so I'll just read this. I, I was, you know, looking at what I look at usually, and that came across this. So, the Sunday Times in Johannesburg, in Johannesburg reported last weekend that naked players were crammed into foxholes and doused repeatedly with cold water, whilst the English national anthem <laughs> and New Zealand hacker were played over and over again. <laughs> The newspaper alleges that they were also forced into a freezing lake in the early hours of the morning to pump up rugby balls underwater, and that some <laughs> tried to get out were ordered back to the water at gunpoints. <laughs> the players were also reported to have been held to an oath of silence about what happened at the camp. That oh, by the way, this is South Africa. Yeah, the international yeah. team, South Africa. Yeah, so um, I think that might win. Wow, that's, that, that's how the South Africans are preparing for the 2003 World Cup. Forced in, into a foxhole, naked and doused with cold water. Wow, that's something else. Indeed. 
Oh, that's that's trumped pretty much everything. I, um, <laughs> Tom May uh, did a column uh, on the ESPN Scrum website, and he does a column every week. And he was talking about the preseason training of London Welsh. And he was talking about you know it's the one time when you know you find it funny when someone one of your teammates is puking. And I was thinking, no, that's like every every Saturday night after a game. <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Uh, but he, he went on and said, and it's one of those misuse of the word literally that happens, which is uh. normally at the hands of Jamie Redknapp. Mm. Tom May in his column said, rugby is a tough sport. Players are willing to get beaten to a pulp week in, week out playing for their clubs. During my professional career, I have seen players literally in pieces having <laughs> <laughs> having played a game. I don't think of a player who's literally been in pieces. <laughs> Did anyone lost a leg? Yeah, lost an ear, I guess. Lost, yeah, lost, lost a tooth. Yeah, that must, that, well, obviously Joe Worsley nearly lost nearly oh, lost yeah. a testicle. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> That one still makes me cringe. We could we could try actually for a future one. We could try and make a, bo- a, a whole human body out of body parts that other rugby players have lost. <laughs> uh, that we could put together. Yeah, so start. Gordon Brown's eye. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Gordon Brown, literally in pieces. So tell us what you're doing for your preseason at your club, and uh, and we can share whether you think it's pointless or actually really really good. Right, the semi-finals of Super Rugby have been scheduled now because the. Qualifying matches happened. There were some hell, some brilliant games over the weekend. Two high scoring, well, reasonably high scoring games. Six, uh, Fourteen tries between the two of them as well. Wow, that's what you want to see, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We watched the first game, which is the Brumbies Highlanders game. No, Brumbies Chiefs. Game. Chiefs, sorry, Chiefs. Yeah, and I thought it was over by about thirty minutes in. I yeah. thought it was over. It was uh, Twenty twenty-two-three up, scoring three tries and being all over them. Brumbies yeah. were all yeah. over the Chiefs, dominating contact, dominating the breakdown breakdown work was really impressive and well, you just thought it was just going to be one way traffic all afternoon well, I think what the Brumbies are so they're so slippery it's like it's like playing a bunch of eels on ice I mean you just if you look at like Spate and Mog could, could, uh, Mog of course Kurundrani yeah um, who is the Leo uh, Leo yeah Leo Leo they're, they're all just hard to get hard, uh, hard to get hold of yeah Spate is some player as well in the first half he had this awesome offload where he looks like he's going to offload it one way Flicks the wrist backwards. It's just, yeah, without look, completely yeah. without looking. Perfectly. Isn't it interesting that it's sort of the the inverse of the way you would rank the national teams to the way that the Super Rugby teams are kind of the, the Australian teams are looking strongest. Mm. Yeah, um, but I, I think the Australian, oh, I think Australian nas- be... national squad now is looking awesome. I think they'll if be... they get everyone they could get available in the squad and then out on the pitch. Well, the yeah. guy that I love for the Brumbies is McCabe. And he mm. never he never plays, uh, yeah, but he, when he comes on, he, he tackles like granite. Um, just a really good player, and d- never never plays. But if you had to say Falau to the Brumbies backline, and I mean all the players that the Waratahs have, it's going to be if nothing else, it'll be a, t- a terrifying backline. Yeah, it will be. I can't wait for the uh, Quad Nations or whatever it's called. What is the competition called again? I don't know. The Rugby Championship. Rugby Championship. What that's a it. terrible name! <laughs> really, it's really bad name. <laughs> So we look forward to the semi-finals, which are oh the other game as well, of course the Sharks, Highlanders. Sharks, Sharks. Highlanders. Did anyone see yeah. that? Yeah, um, I didn't see. I've read read a write up of it. Oh right. Um, supposed to be another good game. There we go at the cutting edge. We're there every minute of rugby. <laughs> We're so well prepared, up, so you don't have to watch it. Another good game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the semi-finals are because we were talking about the odd way that, that it's kind of on a ranking basis, whichever team. And I was saying on the podcast, JB, it's very much like yeah. NFL, isn't it? Um, so, is it? Yeah. The, oh, so you have the wild card. Is that what you mean? Yeah, the wild card round, mm. which you just had, and then who you, who you play isn't predetermined. It's the the highest ranked team. So that's the Waratahs will play the lowest ranked team that get through. At least it's not as confusing as the 
uh, Rugby League club, club call. call. That is oh, hilarious. I know, I know, Here I know. we are in uh, the finest hotel in Wakefield, the Rendezvous, <laughs> and <laughs> the guys in suits, and they try and make it as exciting as possible. And they go, we will play Wigan. <laughs> 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 right, so what are, what are the semis? So this Saturday uh, at, I think it's 8.35 British summertime, we've got Crusaders versus the Sharks in Christchurch. Oh, two Aussie teams going head-to-head then. One of the big points they always make in the Super Rugby games is how much of a difference the home advantage makes. Mm. But, but obviously in that semi-final, because it's Australia, Australia... Uh, that is the semi-finals of Super Rugby, which are coming up this weekend. And there is another semi-final we need to talk about. This was a started out as a crazy idea. I, <laughs> I thought it wouldn't work. It's turned out to be absolutely brilliant. So what well I'm Phil for that one. It's the one man 15 to try and determine who could be argued to be the greatest rugby player on the planet right now. Who, if you had a whole team of just that player, would win a game of rugby? And we are at the semi-final stage, and the players that have made it to that stage, Phil, you've got the fixtures, the matchups. This is what we're going to discuss. Hmm, I, listen, I listened to this. Yeah, we've got. I was. I didn't agree with all your selections. <laughs> Tough. Too late. They're done. We've got Keen Healy versus Scalp Brits. Ooh. Ooh. Brian O'Driscoll versus Manu Tuolagi. Yeah. Sergio Parise versus Andrew Sheridan. Oh, so it's quarter-final stage. How is Andrew Sorry, Sheridan in this? How has he? How has he because possibly he, made it? He, I know, he, I know. He drew, he drew Francois Tranduc, which or, was suggested by someone. Last no, yeah, let's just be clear. We only picked up picked the names for this to draw out from suggestions. Now, maybe some people thought people like George North were too obvious to suggest, but that's what we did. We just did it by su- suggestions. So we yeah. have we have got something in mind. Listen to future podcasts to where whoever, we could mop up some of the players we missed out, the likes of Jack Berger the likes of George North. Anyway. How, whoever suggested Sheridan clearly went on the premise that you need the best scrummager from 2005. <laughs> <laughs> so come on then, let's go through our matchups today and get, get from quarterfinals to semifinals. Remember, this is a team where 1-15, to 15, every player is exactly the same. They're all the same person. Who would win a game of rugby? Kean Healy against Shout Brits then. Yes. That's really difficult. I had Shout Brits winning the whole thing. Actually, Kean Healy could probably out-scrummage him. So that's a problem. Yeah. That's a problem straight away. That is a Keen Healy's no slouch around the pitch as well. Well, he's not Charles Britt, so is he? Charles no, Brits. he's not at the dancing feet of Charles yeah. Britt. Charles Britt's could move but to the But then Charles did get knocked over by Wayne Barnes. Oh, yeah. so. <laughs> That's an awkward one. Uh, Keen Healy can't throw in. I doubt he could jump. <laughs> Whereas I think Charles Britt obviously can throw in. I think he could probably jump. I think he's probably light enough and strong enough to lift himself. Yeah, absolutely. Mind you, I'd go for that. If you're technically strong, you can lift your own body weight anyway, can't you? Let's focus on the positives two again. Of you, yeah, you can lift your own body weight. <laughs> but could you jump? Let's focus on the let's focus on the positives. So the the quick stepping, elusive running, and counter attacking play, and all round game and of Charles against the pure power yeah. of Kean Healy. Which would which would win in a battle of those two characteristics? The positives. Should we have a vote? I say Charles I say the relentless power of Keen Healy. Well, it's not relentless. I, relentless. It'll fade. Not, g- not when he's got a full eight Keen Healy's on the bench as well. <laughs> I go Keen Healy. Yeah. Keen Healy is through to the semis. Oh, Charles Brits has smashed him as well. Next <laughs> matchup. Um, Brian O'Driscoll versus Manu Tuilagi. Ooh. This is interesting. This comes down to the scrum as far as I'm concerned, and nothing more. Yes. Now, that's it's interesting you say that because I looked up and. Um, Manu's scrummaging stats? Well, Manu's Manu's three stone heavier than Brian O'Driscoll. <laughs> wow. 
Which means his pack is 24 stone <laughs> heavier. But as Brian O'Driscoll has, has never taken a backward step. Uh, he's going to, he's about to. <laughs> <laughs> All of them are. All eight of them. He's, there's no player he, he hasn't tackled. Yeah. Mm. I know. No, you, you'd, I, trust, I think... you'd trust him to bring down any player in the world. I wouldn't trust him to bring down Jonathan Davis. <laughs> uh, uh, it's it's got to be Tuolangi how can it not be Tuolangi yeah I think in the backs they've evenly managed e- e- sorry might... evenly matched but if he's Brian's, but... Brian's yeah. creativity and, and all that would probably win it but the pack there's eight yeah. of them and it, it, they're so yeah. much bigger I've got, and I've got quite, a question for you about Brian O'Driscoll has there ever been a player and I don't know the answer to this but it's just a, you know, a speculative question has there ever been a player who's played so consistently Selection-wise, at their chosen chosen position, uh, you cannot think of what I can think, only think of one time when he did not play thirteen, ever. Uh, when did he, he played fullback for the Lions. Fifteen for the Lions. Yeah, he played fifteen for the Lions against the Presidents' fifteen in Victoria. Well, the, the, that was, was the only ever time he's not. I'm sure that's the only time he's ever played out out of position. He made a huge point when he did get dropped for the Lions that that was the only time in his career that he's ever been dropped. Yeah, he's started every other game that he's been fit and available to do so. So if it, was a, if it was a battle of attrition over a 20-year career, Bod would win. <laughs> but over 80 minutes, we're saying well, 15 Manu Tulagis would beat 15 Brian O'Driscoll. Here's what I think. Fair if Brian O'Driscoll yeah. gets the advantage in the back, which so he probably would do, that might be worth two tries. But the pack is worth three tries. Yeah, I'd go for that. We're all going for Manu. That's fine. Next one, then. Parise versus Sheridan. All right, let's just, let's just end this what's right the, now. What's the point? <laughs> <laughs> How are you here? <laughs> Congratulations. Well done, Sergio, Sergio Parise. You're through to the semi-finals. And then, a, this is a great matchup: Kieran Reid versus Sean O'Brien. Wow. That's wow, not a great matchup wow, for Sean wow. O'Brien, I don't think. Wow, well, I don't know. I don't know. 15 players like that. Sean O'Brien. Sean O'Brien, 6-2. 2 You're always thinking of like line-out and things like that, Jay. <laughs> don't worry about it. Let's, let's think about the, the when, when, when you strip it back, Kieran Reid is a ball-playing, athletic... He's got a powerful, intelligent rugby player. Sean, Sean O'Brien is an offloading wrecking ball. Who can incredible who, at the breakdown? Who's going to scrimmage scrimmage better? Oh, you even evenly matched. No, it's not evenly matched. How can it be evenly matched? Well, I, think that low, I think that low centre of gravity of Sean O'Brien in the front row would would do some damage. Yeah, of course it is. Sean <laughs> O'Brien's a beast. Well, he's six foot two, something like that. He's not a million miles away from prop shape. What what what, what are their respective weights? Uh. Similar, Kieran Reed is 112 kilograms. You know, we've missed some. Oh, just the, the breakdown would be blitzed by Sean O'Brien. Choke tackles, or imagine eight <laughs> forwards choke tackling Kieran Reed. It'd be like if the WWE decided uh, decided to do rucking practice. But then I think the all-round game. I think Sean O'Brien would be limited. He'd just run a hard line at 12 and 10, yeah. and that's it. Whereas Kieran Reed, I think, would have the ability to. I mean, Sean O'Brien can offload and whatnot, but I think Kieran Reid would have the, have the ability to chuck a miss pass in and exploit an overlap and yeah, kick corners. I'm really sure t- we missed a load of players here, haven't we? <laughs> I'm sure we missed. I was well, thinking like we know we missed George North. No, no like some monstrous uh, Mari back row who just we've completely overlooked or R- someone like that. You could say players like Sivavatu with big slices like that would do all right. Or who's that? Nadol? No, who's no, that? Yeah, Nemanja Nadolo. Nemanja Nadolo, who's tearing up trees. <laughs> he has torn up trees in Super Rugby. Yeah, yeah. Julian Surveyor. Did he even make it? No, Julian no. Surveyor didn't. Oh but my word! That will be addressed in future podcasts. That will it? be yeah. addressed here and now. Kieran Reid versus Sean O'Brien. I, I would personally vote for Kieran Reid. Sean O'Brien. Sean O'Brien was my choice. 
But then uh, last week you did concede that you wished you'd picked Kieran uh, Reid. I was going to say, I'm, I'm man enough to say, I think I know when I'm beaten and I think all round Kieran Reid would come oh. up top. Yeah. This, this game starts and ends with the, with, the, with the scrimmage. I'm sure it does. <laughs> so our semi-finalists are... Kean Healy, Manu Tuolagi, Sergio Parisi and Kieran Reid. Two back rows, one front row, one centre. So it's going to be number one, it's going to be Manu Tuolagi against Kieran Reid mm. and Kean Healy against Sergio Parisi. Ooh, exciting. Wowzers, that's a pretty tidy semi-final there. There we go. We'll talk about that one next week. You can have your say on who you think should come out on top in those matchups. And yes, you can carry on whinging about the players that weren't included in this original draw. I, I, I will do. We, we <laughs> will address that in future podcasts. There we go. Right, that's our one man 15 dealt with. A couple of quick stories from, from the world of rugby. And, well, I mentioned we mentioned Brian O'Driscoll in that. He missed out in that little matchup there against Manu Tuolagi. But he's been signed by BT Sport for the forthcoming rugby season. Awesome. Yeah. Good acquisition for them, you'd have to say. Yeah, I think so. Every time I've heard Brian O'Driscoll talk, he's a uh, like seems. I wonder if they'll use quite him for intelligent the... and articulate and all that. I wonder if they'll use him for the Viva or because they've got the new rights to the Pro Twelve or Fourteen or whatever it is now. I think they'll I just use him for everything. I think they'll they? just use him for everything. You reckon? Like like they do with it. They just kind of s- split everyone up. Don't is they? there anyone else they use like that who hasn't got any experience at all in the Viva? I don't think there is, is there? No, but then again, I think because they're not saying it matters because, that because much, up till but... now they've only had the Aviva Premiership, they've pretty much had just English, yeah, people. Think about their their lineup because it's weird, isn't it, having someone commentating who's never played a single game game of Aviva? But you know, it's, it's just fine, imagine. I bet Craig Doyle is creaming himself, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, just buzzing. <laughs> his hero. He's there, uh, handing over to Brian O'Driscoll, playing with his hair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> over to you, Brian. <laughs> Is, yeah, you're just going to get like Craig Doyle staring misty-eyed at the Craig, screen. Oh, Craig, sorry, you're Craig, you're you're sorry, I'm live. Uh, that is good. I think it's a great acquisition. Who else would you have? Like from if we if oh, this is what I thought. So we've Ireland. You'd sort of go bod. There you go. You got your man. But if you were going to pick someone Scottish or Welsh to add to the to the team, there I probably wouldn't pick anyone Scottish. No, I wouldn't pick anyone Scottish. Maybe, um, maybe Nathan Hines because he's not really Scottish. Yeah, that's a, 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 a Brendan Laney. He's he's New Zealander. <laughs> Um, there's, there's, there's a few, isn't there? Yeah, Tim Visser, Sean Maitland. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so you could have someone. Um, Welsh. Uh, Andy Powell. Get Andy Powell <laughs> as a pundit, please. That'd be so good. It'd be uh, a car crash, wouldn't it? It'd be awesome. <laughs> It'd be like, like when ITV got Gaza to the uh, oh god, do the, do the Euros. <laughs> he just you can imagine him watching a, a team he was supporting and they score a try or something. He just rip his, t- his shirt off. I'll do a big Hulk flex to the camera. I'll throw a chair through a window. <laughs> and then grab one of the uh, assistant girls. And Who else? Is, is there any other horrors? I mean, there's loads of horrors from Wales, but big real Gav. horrors. Big Gav. big Gav would be a disaster. He's not really charismatic, is he? No, he's not. Do you ever see him on... The Bachelor. No, Soccer... <laughs> uh, what's it called? Soccer AM. No, no never. He was the guest there. It, was, it wasn't good. He was, he's just... He's quite introvert. Maybe we should look up... Some Arrogant f- and introvert. It's a terrible combination. <laughs> We should look up some footage from that for a future podcast. We definitely we should. should. We definitely should. should. We should. Well, there you go. That, that's another little bit of homework assignment for you. We want um, your your sort of dream cast of pundits that haven't been recruited as pundits yet after Bod has been called up. We can totally understand the Bod one. As if, but uh, any more at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. The other story, let's just touch on this because I think we should wait until the story unfolds before we sort of pass too much mm. comment on it. But 
unbelievable what's happened with Claremont Avern in their pre-season. This is horrible. I mean, this is this is quite sinister, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and no, what do we know so far? Because we've got to be very careful. This story only came out about five hours ago. Yeah, not long ago. It, ha- so, it happened last night as we record. So what we understand is that three of the, of the Claremont team went out, and we don't know if they're with Claremont, with the friend. I mean, I guess they're in pre-season or something. They're in a pre-season camp in in kind of, not wilderness, but uh, out in the sticks somewhere uh, in the south of France. And they went out to um, a nightclub. They went out drinking in this town that they're in. Um, and on the way back, they were attacked by a dozen men with mach- machetes, um, is the way it's been described. Uh, and the, So it's Benjamin Kayser, Julien Pierre, Aurelien Rougerie, who are three French internationals, and they've been... Uh, taken to hospital having surgery for what has been described as deep cuts. Mm. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's a horrific story, but it's just uh, kind of breaking as, as we record this. We thought we'd flag it up um, because it's definitely one to watch and uh, I think there'll be more to run on that one. Uh, so we'll move on from that absolutely horrific story and then try and do something that's a little bit light-hearted, shall we? <laughs> yeah, let's give that a go. That? Let's uh, give that a go now we're all depressed. Because JB, back off of his scouting mission in Italy, yes. which was uh, covertly disguised as a honeymoon, um, he's been checking on Treviso and uh, and the like, he came back suggesting that we do some suggest some rugby movies and we are in the period of summer blockbuster movies. Indeed. And the only rugby one I can... I know there's two, actually. I can't remember the second one, but the only one I can think of off the top of my head was Samantha Janus in Up and Under. I suppose, loosely speaking, you could say that Invictus yeah. is a rugby movie, couldn't you? Yeah. yeah. And Alive as well. It's kind of well, very, very, very tenuously. Yeah. It's Alive rugby-based. Well, they were Uruguayan, Uruguayan rugby team. Rugby were they really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I play with this with a South African fella at Broughton Park who described Invictus as a movie about terrorists. So, <laughs> probably why he's over here. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> the other the other one that could be happening in future was uh, Gareth, the life story of Gareth Thomas with a uh, Mickey Rourke. Uh, no, that that's fallen through. Is this I, I, a, jo- I is this it, a I, joke? No, no serious. It, it was definitely happening at one stage, but now it's a uh, yeah. Yeah, wow. might not or isn't <laughs> happening. Wow. So uh, this, you could take this genuinely, or you could take it in a light-hearted fashion. Uh, we want your rugby film ideas. You can pitch the ideas to us, and then through the egg chasers, we'll go. We'll have a profit share. We, we've got contacts <laughs> in the know. I, you know, I'm in the media, and we've got our contacts. We can we can make these movies w- happen. I've got a high definition camera. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we've got we we've got the means to make it happen. We'll have a profit share agreement between you and the three of us. And then we'll make it happen. Rugby films. What could you have a rugby movie about? JB, do you want to kick off? <laughs> <laughs> All right, OK. Well, I've, I've had lots of thoughts, but the best one I've thought of so far is a film called Let the Boys Play. All OK. Right, so the, the basic premise of Let the Boys Play is it's a romantic comedy starring, starring Tom Cruise and Emma Stone. Uh, Tom Cruise plays the character of Steve Walsh. And uh, <laughs> Emma Stone, an upcoming uh, female referee. And they're both considered to be the best of a generation. And I thought, like, <laughs> like probably my best scene would be um, they're in, like, a, a coaching course. Now, you've got to accept a couple of premises here, which is uh, I think Steve Walsh and Nigel Owens are fairly similar ages. But for, just for the purpose of this film, we want a young Steve Walsh and Nigel Owens as, as he is now. So Nigel Owens is, like... The, the wise guy 
um, who'd been there, been there, done that, done that before. And he's holding a coaching seminar, and all the best refs are invited. And this is just like one of the opening scenes. And he says, "What do you see in, see, see, see in this picture?" And you've got Steve Walsh there, like chewing gum, maybe got like a toothpick in, something like that. You know, like, you know, been really cool. He's a maverick. Yeah. Well, this is a really strange thing, right? Because this is the only film where the maverick strictly adheres to rules. <laughs> so that, that, that's why it's very, very special. So I think they kind of Nigel Owens gets up his picture and says, "What do you see here?" It's a clear te- technical technical infringement. And I think one of them goes. Uh, well, actually, that's Rule 27, subse- subsection B, uh, not laying the player up. And then the other girl stands up going, well, that's obviously predicated by Rule 28F. <laughs> and they kind of get closer and closer and closer into some tension. And then in the end, Nigel Owens goes, right, you two, enough, sit down. That, that, that kind of thing. I love it. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's got... I love it. They've got a kiss at some point, haven't they? Yeah, They've I think... They've got to get it on. Well, I think what would probably Maybe happen... Maybe at half-time in, in, in a big game. No, I think... She'll relieve some pressure for him. She'll just <laughs> meander down his body and then you'll just see the top of her head disappear out of shot. Well, I've actually thought of this and I've thought there needs to be some kind of romantic connection here. So, I think they do like... like, like they always fall out in, um, in romantic comedies. Well, they fall out because they've got both got to the top of the tree and it's like a Heineken Cup game or something like that. And Steve Walsh is a touch judge and she's been appointed video ref and they're both trying to give Wayne <laughs> Barnes information. And like, she's giving him one thing and he, they're, they're trying to like outdo each other and Wayne Barnes just has an absolute nightmare and a mental yeah. breakdown collapses. <laughs> yeah. And then they're, they're just sent off into the rugby wilderness where they have to kind of... Wow. Yeah. You've really thought that one through. Yeah, I've also like thought... Uh, sorry, just one last one. I also really <laughs> want to put in a montage. Do you have like working out being great refs? So, like, <laughs> pulling their cards out, quick draw on the whistles... Writing uh, players' names down. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe someone holds up a, a, a picture and they've got, and got to go, Ruck! More <laughs> infringement. I love it. I love it. I'll go. I'll go to Phil then. Your idea of a rugby film. I'm not actually prepared for. One. Oh no. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll kick off then. <laughs> so I've got loads, and I took mine with a slightly different approach. I've got. Um, well, yeah, I've got one called Pitbull <laughs> about Brian Moore, and it's uh, a barrister by day, but this man is not afraid to use his knowledge of the dark arts to get results <laughs> even if he annoys everyone around him up it's just about getting results can I ask right is this like a Superman thing where like his only disguise for his day job is, he, is that he wears glasses, glasses. Yeah. no one in the office realises he's England hooker I like that glasses <laughs> and a suit and yeah, then yeah. <laughs> under his suit at all and times he, he has a full, full yeah, kit on. I mean maybe he waxes his hair he's never had hair but maybe he does, he does something to it well, what about... Uh, no, he doesn't have tape round around his head. That's a uh, giveaway, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought Johnny Wilkinson could just be in a film called Johnny. And what was, what was that film with Tom Cruise and Dustin Hoffman where it's slightly autistic? Rain Man. Rain, Rain Man. Man. Maybe, maybe Johnny Wilkinson in a kind of Rain Man fashion. I'd call it a metronome. Looking yeah. after his brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or... Would it be a film about Mark Wilkinson fetching balls? That <laughs> was with the kicking. Or you could have Johnny Wilkinson in a reboot of Johnny English. Like, instead of Rowan Atkinson, you have Johnny Wilkinson as a, as a spy. Bum- <laughs> a bumbling spy. The worst spy ever. Or he'd just be a very quiet, well-mannered spy. He didn't break any rules. Uh, but then also I thought you could go Dumb and Dumber with Andy Powell and Gavin Henson. Nice. I thought that would work quite that well. That would be, yeah, great team. And then I just got a bit silly and went Lawrence of Alabia and <laughs> Lawrence Delalio in an adult <laughs> adaptation of the classic story. Uh, Wayne Barnes and Stuart Barnes are twins in an Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito style. No, that's a difficult. Uh, yeah, we mentioned that one before and that's a difficult one because in twins there's one clearly superior twin 
and one clearly inferior twin. Yeah. Well, it's just big and small, isn't it? Oh, I suppose Danny DeVito is a disaster. Yeah, he's a disaster. Whereas, okay, Stuart Bonds is a disaster. Well, they're both disasters for a start. But one of them actually played international rugby, I think. Whilst the other one could only be a ref. So... You know, which way? Yeah, uh, it's got limitations. You've got Fight Club with Chris Ashton and Manu Tuolagi. Nice. Tulagi, or Carl Ferns and Gavin Henson. Or and C- then Cipriani I, I, and Lucy. Oh, yeah, Cipriani. Great shout. Um, we, we need a film for the Honey Badger. I, I couldn't think like a, a rugby player who's trying to launch a secret career as a stand-up comedian, maybe going to... But then I couldn't think... So we need one oh, for the cro- Honey Badger. Crocodile Dundee. Oh, yeah. Nice. He's in, in the outback. Honey Badger Dundee. Yeah, I, no, maybe not. I, I, I think I quite like one. I, I something along the lines of like Gavin Henson has turned his back on rugby because of all the pressure. He's gone somewhere like I don't know New Zealand or somewhere just to be a school teacher, and he wears tweed and stuff, and no one knows who he is. But like he gets discovered because like a ball comes his way, and he's like his spider sense. He just catches it and spirals it back, and I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> and then eventually he works his way back into rugby for one last one last game. Fab. That's what I'm thinking. What about what about like some sort of Zulu type film where it's just the colonising English forces in Namibia just being taken down by one man, <laughs> Jack Berger. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. So there we go. There's a little starting point. Start off a ten. If you've got any suggestions, rugby movies that we could we could make. Oh, Rudy Wolf of Wall Street. I don't know what it would be. It's just a title. <laughs> working title at the moment. Yeah. Uh, it's, title. it's like is it like Face Off where they came up with the movie first, the yeah. name of the movie, yeah. and they built and then, it around. <laughs> yeah, clearly, <laughs> clearly. So I, yeah, because I, I want to see when Nigel Owens goes up to uh, Tom Cruise and goes, "The secret is just let the boys play." Mm. That's the idea. Get, get the name. Of the, you've got to get the name of the movie in it. Into the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rugby podcast on Twitter at rugby podcast. Come and give us your movie pitch, and we will take it to the big bosses, the movie execs. And there we go. Could be next summer's rugby-based blockbuster. Oh, it will be. But we move up to a club close-up. Then we've been running the rule over some of the Aviva Premiership clubs. We will get to some other sides as well, uh, but we know the Aviva Premiership better than anything else, really. So we're focusing on that. And we're uh, trying to just decide how we think teams are getting on in their recruitment, how they're shaping up for the season and how we think they're going to do today, Exeter and Bath. And we're going to start with Exeter Chiefs. So they've done a little bit of business, haven't they? Mm. Well, I suppose a big signing, if you like, is Thomas Waldron. Doesn't excite me too much. No, I'm not. I'm, uh, Rob Baxter's a shrewd guy. So I think, I think when I look at Thomas Waldron, he hasn't signed him as a... There's our starting number eight. He signed him as a quality depth player, someone that can come off the bench for a little bit of 20-minute cameo or because they've got to balance two competitions. That's where they struggled. That's what's dropped them back yeah, down again. Yeah, they're not in the senior not the senior competition, though, are they? That's no, the thing. So they could have done with him this year. I understand that for this year. Yeah. But, you know, how long has Thomas Waldron got left? Three, four years? Well, three, yeah. no, two yeah. or three years. He's, he's, well, right. he's, on, he's on a three-year deal. He's, I think he's 31. Mm-hmm. So he's he's got a, f- a few good years left. Yeah, it's whether they play like with him and Dave Ewers at six and eight, do something like that. I don't know. Uh, Dave Dave Ewers is too good. Ben White had a good season though at six last year, and mm. Tom Johnson Tom sort Johnson's... of come back in more regularly. And yeah, so I think it's I think it's about depth of squad f- for that reason. I I look at Exeter and I think this is the year where their young players will start to shine. And well, I, th- I think Rob Baxter's banking on it. Have yeah, to shine. Have to shine. It's not to. will they shine? They they. You know, they have to. Um, Guys like Sam Hill and Luke Cowan Dickey, Henry Slade. Yeah, Henry Slade, definitely. Um, Jack Noel. Yeah, Jack Noel, uh, absolutely. When he's back fit. They've and, signed a guy, um, I think, was he there last year or was he just coming over? Uh, Adam Hughes. 
Uh, he used yeah. to play at Dragons. Apparently, he's very, very good. Mm. He's 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 really one to watch. Um, I, the problem with young players is sometimes they don't become don't become as good as you th- good as you think. And I just wonder if um, they'll take actually a bit of a step back. I th- I think it's going to be tough for them. I think it's going to be tough. I interesting just on the Jack Noel subject. There's lots of talk that he's going to be pretty much nailed on fullback. For, really, as opposed really? to on the wing. Yeah, didn't they play with fullback towards the end of the season? Yeah. I don't know what you reckon, guys, but I think with Exeter, they've they're operating on on a budget. They're they're a profitable company. They're posting profits every year, which only a few clubs are. They're faced with a situation where some clubs' pockets are a little bit deeper, and with every kind of year, they're they're, they're being exposed a little bit more. They're having to squeeze value mm. out of young players or or, yeah. or jobbing players a little bit more, and it's getting harder and harder. They have got Ryan Caldwell. At Lock from Bath as well. Any good? The Ireland international. Yeah, he's he's a decent player. Um, they've just lost Dean Mum though for the start of the season, haven't they? Yeah, Only they have. for first six games he should first be back. Six, right, because he's having shoulder surgery, isn't he? Yeah. But that that's a big loss. Involves a few cranes, I, I imagine. <laughs> I don't see them getting into the top six again. I see them no. ninth, yeah, tenth I think, maybe. I think they'll be down there. Well, who knows? I mean, they don't have the Heineken Cups, Heineken Cups to deal with. So they're not really going to care about playing in the European games. They might pick. They might pick up a game, you know, a group with Roma in it or someone like that. I, I think they'll do better than this season, but I don't. I'm not sure they're going to be top six. Well, let's move on to Bath then. Now, Bath. Well, they had that painful oh. way way of going out of the top four. Yeah, and blew it. The worst way to do it. Completely blew it. Yeah. Uh, they had such expectations. They've had a massive outlay of money. They've got some once again pretty great signings that have been made. Um, they've not made too many signings, and some of them we wait. We'll have to wait and see how they'll actually. Sam Burgess, for example. Yeah. Now, interestingly, on Wikipedia, Sam Burgess has been listed as number eight. Really? Oh wow! Uh, now, oh, on Wikipedia. now that, that could just be Wikipedia. So, it, did Phil write it? <laughs> so uh, I would have put him down as second row. That's because you're mental. So it's interesting. I, I, we don't know. That's that's one thing because the, the wow. physical attributes of Sam Burgess are pretty phenomenal but where is he going to play it's just interesting that in, it's only, and again it's as much as you can read into it but he's been listed as a number 8 yeah hmm I won't read into that too much their pack is awesome it's amazing I'm I'm, yeah. I'm wondering whether Matt Garvey might get some time at lock because I'm looking at their back yeah. row and it's but, stacked but then their locks because you've got Atwood, Atwood, and, Atwood and Hooper Atwood Hooper with Day Hooper's the captain again yeah yeah, that's true. That wouldn't, oh, that's they, a hell of a team. Burgess competing in the, in the, the end they've of the year. They've got to win it. They've got to win it this year. I think they'll definitely get top four this year. They just don't seem to be quite fluid enough. I think the backs are exciting but weak, if that makes sense. Flaky. And I and this is where, exactly, and this is where, I mean, we disagreed in a previous podcast, this is where I said I think signings like Luke Arscott are really quite shrewd because that, there's a guy that's not going to be flaky. You You just want to solidify things a little bit. Luke Arscott will catch everything, he'll kick well, and uh, he'll, yeah. he won't make any mistakes. And I think Bath could do with that kind of guy a little bit more robust. I'm fascinated to know what's going to happen to some, some Burgess. I think we all think they're going to make top four then. Do, yes. do, do we know anyone who's a professional rugby player who might be able to help us out and tell us where is he, where, where is he training? Who? Sam Burgess. Well, is, he, he, is he here yet? No, October he arrives. Oh, who, the NRL still. still people ongoing. of Bath, get down there too. I don't know. No, they're not at that old. It used to be uh, on the on the road out. Just didn't it? Yeah, it used to be on the road out. I can't remember Lambridge. It was called. That was it. It was a horrible training ground. <laughs> it's now in a stately home, Tim. Yeah, it's a stately home now. It's lovely. Different different times. But if if you can spy on 
the camp and tell us where Sam Burgess is doing his training. Please do. God, that's um, a good team, isn't it? Just one thing with Bath, an area of weakness that cost them last year was hooker when they had both Rob Webber and Ross Batty injured and they're having like third and fourth choice hooker. And they've not brought anyone in. They've not strengthened their, their hooker. No, they haven't. Maybe they've got some maybe they've got some kid which they quite like. They've so, got they've got a guy in their academy called Tom Dunn. And they've got Tom Wollstonecroft in their academy, two hookers, but Right, yeah. It's yeah. not if it comes down to it again at a key time of the season where they've got injuries. I think their biggest problem might well be scrum half. Because Peter Stringer isn't going to last forever. He's doing a great job, but he's not going to last but, forever. Yeah. He, might, he might do, actually. He's in such good shape. I mean, if, if there's a player that really really looks after himself, it's, Pete, it, it's Peter Stringer. But he's getting on. Um, Mickey Youngs, no thank you. Uh, Chris looks, Cook. Chris Cook, they've got rid of um, the Welsh fella. Martin Roberts. He, he must have left because he's, 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 he's he not, on their, not on their team. So maybe the addition of... Um, Martin Roberts has gone to Ospreys. Will Genia. Will Genia. Yeah. I mean, they, they've already said they've agreed signings for after the World Cup. Yeah. yeah. But Will Genia... With Will Genia refuted to be one of them. Yeah, well, you know, that's pretty ambitious for Will Genia, thinking he's <laughs> going to make the World Cup. Well, yeah. So, but, you know, maybe... maybe, maybe he, a fit Will Genia playing in his prime would be awesome for Bath. That would put them over the top, I think. Right, well, normally at this stage we'd say what position we'd put these teams in for next season. Mm-hmm. But with JU ruining everything and not refusing to pick uh, oh, a put... Welsh and Falcons and... Right, OK, fine. So I'll go go back to that and say Falcons relegated, well, well, Welsh not were relegated. Yeah. OK, so Exeter. I'm going 10th. 10th. Wow. I th- I think they'll be down there. I think they'll be ninth or tenth. They could be my horror team, to be fair. They, yeah, they could. Be. I'm going ninth for them. Ninth for Exeter. I'm gonna, I want to put Bath at first. Bath first, yeah. ahead of Leicester, ahead of Saracens. So pa- they're so powerful, and so much potential as well. They're good with potential. I completely agree with Exeter. They'll be ninth or tenth, so we can agree on one of those positions. Bath definitely top four. I can't see them getting first. Man. I can't see them getting second or third either. So, I think Saris or Saints. I'm going to go fourth. I think fourth as well. Why don't we aggregate it? As I'm saying third or fourth, you're going fourth, and JB's going first. We just go third. Okay, Bath third. Done. Uh, and Exeter, we'll say, I'll say tenth. Mm. Mm. So currently our table is shaping up with... Northampton in second place, Bath in third, Quinns fifth, Wasps seventh, Sale eighth, Exeter tenth, London Welsh eleventh, and Newcastle it's like a jigsaw puzzle. You can all you can always fit in the other pieces yeah, right yeah. now, can't you? Uh, we'll get we'll get to a couple more teams next time. Now the you might have noticed that there's no fan free agency. So just to let you know why there's no fan free agency, it's because I've got fans, but they've not sent me their their pitches yet. So I need fan free agency pitches, please, for any professional team or amateur team that you possibly could ever write about. And if you haven't heard previous podcasts, let me just briefly explain. Phil is the first year where he's not playing rugby with his beloved and one team that he's played for, Sedgley Park. Well, apart from university and whatever. Anyway, uh, so Sedgley Park, he's no longer playing for the first team at Sedgley. So now he's looking up and looking around and going, what do I do now? And one thing he's never done is support a team because he's always been playing uh, right up to championship level. So... We're looking for teams that Phil could support. He will, if it's a good enough pitch that you put forward, uh, be it the great beers you have and the atmosphere at your ground, the brilliant stadium, the the history your club's got, or whatever you want, the brilliant stash. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that could definitely swing it. So uh, whatever the reason is, if you make a good pitch, Phil will put it on his shortlist, and by the start of the season, Phil will be supporting another team, and that will mean your team gets mentioned loads on the podcast. It means we will come there on force, we will do podcasts from your ground, and there that's how it will go. So uh, get in touch with us on Twitter, at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, and then we will talk about it next time. And like like JB says, and he's bearing in mind he's had a wedding and a honeymoon, he hasn't had that much time to chase things up. No. There are loads of people getting in touch saying, I'd like to do one. But I am, I am fascinated to hear from someone that supports New, uh, Newcastle Falcons how you actually do it. <laughs> so can I just apologise to people in Newcastle <laughs> and say that Phil and I have absolutely no hard feelings whatsoever. The only issue I have with Newcastle is that horrible, rubbish. that horrible Gilbert fleece oh, that Dean Richards wore. Oh, remove my eyes; it's easier. <laughs> so uh, yeah, at Rugby pod- Podcast, and, that, and that's that's another pod. Done. Done. Dusted. What have you got on this week, JB? What have I got on? Uh, lots of work. Um, nothing exciting, unfortunately. Oh, Commonwealth we, Games side. Yeah, we, oh, we haven't even mentioned Commonwealth Games. Yeah, yeah, the got, sevens. Yeah. yeah, I really want to get an interview with the uh, Cook Island boys. I think they'd be interesting. Not media trained, in the slightest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they'll, be, they'll be very busy because they'll also be doing javelin, <laughs> 100 metres, <laughs> marathon. Swimming. <laughs> Yeah, it's impressive. A, you know, a nation of six puts put out a sevens team. <laughs> good but. luck to uh, the home unions involved in the Commonwealth Games. And good luck to Cook Islands. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go, Cook Islands. Let's go, Cook Islands. Um, what are you doing, Phil? Uh, down to London for a couple of days, back up in Yorkshire on Wednesday. Yorkshire? Uh, yeah, Ilkley. What are you in there? Head office. Meetings. Oh, uh, you're not going to race we Greyhound. Should, we should possibly mention that uh, the... the the guys at, at BT Sport got in touch with us and said, uh, guys, do you want to come to the World Sevens Finals Day with us? Do you want to be our guest at the World <laughs> Sevens yes. Finals Day, uh, which is at Twickenham? And we'll be brilliant. There'll be teams from all over the world playing Sevens. Amazing. Yeah. Um, what an opportunity. What an opportunity. And what a, love, what a <laughs> lovely, a kind, generous offer from the guys at BT Sport to, uh, to get the Egg Chasers along for a little bit of a pre-season catch-up. Well, you know, a, a, a top, top broadcaster. JB said yes. I said yes. Phil... Well, my selfish girlfriend decided to be born on the same day as the the seventh tournament, so and unfortunately, I can't go. Well, you can go, can't you? <laughs> well, not, you can go, not really. She would under. Couldn't you just do it the day before? Because the Sunday's a rubbish time to do stuff for a birthday, anyway. Oh, because you've got to exactly. Got and to she doesn't appreciate you day. anyway. Is it on the Sunday? Yeah, oh, I might be able to come then. Oh yes, <laughs> there you go, Claire. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, for Thanks Claire. <laughs> we'll get a handwritten letter by Claire. That's, that's give, a verbal, admission. verbal contract. Right Please there, return Phil by eight o'clock. He does not have permit. Oh. Oh, you can stay down there. Yes, this this works well actually. Yeah, Brilliant. I, I could stay down. <laughs> right. Uh, well, we're, we're, well, something that's on the agenda. We've got plenty more on the agenda, and get in touch with anything you've heard today or other ideas that you want us to talk about, and we could do it next time in a bit. Phil. Cheers, Tim. Nice one, JB. Bye. Later. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.